come on, yeah, come on, it's like that, it's like that. Hello and welcome to my young, loyal listeners of Teen Bible Study Talk in 10 Minutes. So what do you know? Word on the go. This podcast is brought to you by and produced by Real Time with the Bennetts, where real talk happens all the time. I'm your host, Minister Bennett, of today's episode, and my co-host is... The lovely Sister Bennett, as my husband affectionately calls me. Thank you for allowing and trusting us to be a part of your Christian walk. In this week's episode, we will be discussing sure of salvation according to God's Word. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We are back live in PNT Podcast Studio with another great lesson for another great week. And yep, you guessed it, we're talking about salvation. Yes, who wants to be saved? I do, you do, everyone does. So let's get right down to it. The world and the biblical meaning of salvation. I actually like these definitions. I got three this week. Yes, three again, just like last week. Preservation or deliverance from harm, ruin, or loss. And the biblical one, in Christianity, salvation is the saving of human beings from the sin and consequences of it which include death and separation from God. By Christ's death and resurrection and the justification following this is salvation. Deliverance from the power and effects of sin. Don't you like those definitions? They speak clearly to what we're going to talk about today. Let's look at Acts 16, 30 and 31. And it says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and you and your household. This is both interesting and straightforward. Here we have an individual clearly wanting to know and be sure of how to be saved. You're guessing how I interpreted that this was to mean both how and wanting to know. It's kind of easy. The requester said, what? We only ask what when we want to know something. And then it says, must I do? It's asking what action I need to perform. Basically, how do I do it? When studying God's word, you must dive deep into the context of the sentences to get the full meaning. Yes, let the scriptures speak to you. They are told to believe on Jesus and they will be saved. Not only them, but their households as well. Let me clarify one thing after being saved. You must be living like Jesus, your Lord and Savior. Yes, a play on word. They say he must believe on. I said you must be living So yes, I took the two words and and broke them down into be and living. See, an empty confession won't do, so you must be living out the life of salvation if that's what you truly want. Revelations 3 and 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him, eat with him, and he with me. Does anyone know who is knocking at the door? Before you answer, let me provide you some facts. Jesus is God, which means he's omnipresent, which means he can be everywhere at any time. Did did you catch that? Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. Big hint. Jesus said, let those who are heavy laden come to me and I will give you rest. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy And I have come that you may have life. Jesus says, is it not the healthy that need a doctor? I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinner to repentance. Okay, okay. 
I wasn't ignoring all the ooh, 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 pick me. I know the answer. I want to tell you the answer. I wasn't ignoring you. I heard all of that. And I love the energy. And I love you guys for having a thirst for the word, my young loyal listeners. I love it. Before I call on someone to give an answer, I have another question. If you believe it's Jesus, I'm not saying it is, who was standing at the door, I'm going to let you guys decide that yourself. Why is he standing and knocking at the door? Did you ever think about that? Couldn't he, because he's God, he's omnipresent, he could be anywhere at any time, couldn't he have simply just walked in? I'll answer this one. No, he could not have. Yes, you probably thought he could. No, he could not. Here's why. Genesis 2, 16 and 17, I'm going to paraphrase it, says this. God told Adam and Eve that they were free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge. If you do, you will surely die. You're free to eat from any tree, but not this one. But if you do, you will die. If God didn't want them to eat from that tree, why did he put it in the garden? If that tree was so important to God, he could, not, he could have just put that tree somewhere else. And therefore, they could have just ate in the garden. He could have put the tree on the top of a mountain. He could have put it in the middle of the ocean where they couldn't get to. He put it in the middle of the garden because God wanted them to trust and believe him. God wanted them to depend on him and not themselves. God provided for them their whole life. He gave them everything they needed. And all God asked was one thing, do not eat from this tree. Therefore, we have to show restraint when it comes to God. We have to listen. We have, just like we have to listen to our parents. No matter what we, what we may think is better, we must listen and obey. So don't go nowhere. We'll be right back. And yes, I did not forget, I will be calling on someone to answer that question. We are back live in the PNT podcast studio after that short break. We're going to pick up right where we left off. And yep, as I thought about it on break, I would love it if you sent your answer in via email to that wonderful email address that the lovely sister Bennett gives out every episode of our podcast. So I'm coming out of the break with the banger. We as sinners occupy or once occupied a sevenfold position before God. We were debtors, a condemned criminal. We were an enemy. We were a slave to sin. We were defiled. We were unholy. We were dead. And we were a poor stranger. Yes, we were all of those things when we were not living under the guise of Jesus Christ. In this position, as we need or needed the sevenfold salvation God has provided through his son. Yes, the sevenfold doctrines of salvation are forgiveness, justification, reconciliation, redemption, sanctification, newness of life, and adoption. As debtors, sinners need forgiveness. As condemned criminals, we needed justification. As enemies of God, we needed reconciliation. As slaves to sin, we needed redemption. As defiled and unholy, we needed sanctification. As walking around dead and not alive, we needed newness of life. As poor people, we needed adoption. So I found the sevenfold doctrines right here, right before me. I found them. I got them. I got you covered. Here we go. Number one, forgiveness. Through divine forgiveness, Man's sin has been washed away. He has become as white as snow. His sin has been removed from him as far as the east is from the west. So basically you can't see the sin no more. Once Jesus saves you, you are clear of sin. Number two, justification. 
as an act of grace, we are justified. God has declared a stay in the punishment of sin's penalty that we would do, which was eternal death. The punishment of sin was postponed until the second death so, to, so that we as sinners had an opportunity to accept God's plan for salvation. He hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made righteous of God in him. Yes, we are justified. We are condemned without him. Number three, reconciliation. As sinners, we are enemies of God. We live in direct conflict with God's rule and empire and kingdom. While sinners, we and God move in a totally opposite direction. There can be no fellowship between us and God as long as we are determined to live the way we want, which is not according to his word. Men are at war among themselves. Man is at war within himself because there is no peace without God. Christ's sacrifice provided the basis of our reconciliation to God. We are his friends because of his son. Yes, let's enjoy the reconciliation of God. Number four, redemption is liberation of being a slave to sin and not having to pay the price. Yes, when you are redeemed. God the Redeemer performs the work of redemption through Jesus Christ. Number five, sanctification. As sinners, we need sanctification. We are unholy, polluted, and vile otherwise. In that condition, we cannot live or dwell in God's holy presence, place, nor can we be used for His service. Sanctification originates in God's grace. Number six, newness of life. We as sinners are dead in sin and dead to God. Yes, we are allowed to sin, but dead to God. We are dead in our trespasses and sin. That's what Ephesians says. Without God in the world, we are alienated from life as God wants us to have it. Need I say more, you can't live the same way you did before you knew God after you know him. Enjoy your newness of life. And number seven, adoption. Adoption is God's act in salvation wherein he, the father of all, gives us his children into the position of daughter or son with all the rights and privileges of inheritance. He has invited you to be one of his children. Let's accept his adoption into his family by living according to Jesus' word. Hey, let's see what they're rapping about over here in the conversation corner. Hey, Minister Bennett. What y'all rapping about over here? We were chatting about 1 John 5, 19 through 21, which reads, We now know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding, that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. We've chatted about this before, knowing that God is the one true living and wise God, and he is the only one who can give us everlasting life. The scripture tells us to keep away from idols, and we got stuck there for a little bit. We had newcomers, and one asked, what is an idol? You should have seen the excitement on the other's faces who wanted to answer the question. God is so good. They were telling them what an idol was and that the bottom line was anything or anyone that you allow to become higher than God in your life. So I said, can you elaborate more on that? And they answered, anyone that you put on a pedestal, anything that stops you from praying, going to church, seeking God, living a life that is pleasing and acceptable becomes an idol. So I challenged and said, well, what about our parents? I heard the hmm and the mmms, but I saved them and answered. 
We do not place our parents above God. What we have for our parents is called admiration, respect, and that is way different from idolizing. So don't get that twisted. However, about the idols, we must be careful because the devil is very crafty. He'll have you thinking that it's okay to spend all of your time on that game, staying on social media, in the club, sitting at the bar, hanging out with those not-too-good friends, that nothing is wrong with that. But there is something wrong with that. Just like the scripture says, the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And the sway is just referring to the way that the devil tries to come into your life and disrupt it, making things look good that he knows and are not that are not good for you, but he hopes that you get sucked into the, into sinning against God. That's where he would try to keep you in that stronghold, struggling to be free. Listen, you have been given understanding, so don't be confused about what's of God and what the devil tries. You must live this Christian life knowing God's got your back. No one is saying that you can't have fun, clean fun, but don't allow your fun to overtake you or stop you from giving God his time. After all, he is the one that woke you up this morning and gave you a brand new day to get it right, to do the right thing. And while you're doing the right thing, don't forget we feature some of your comments or respond to your questions on the fourth or fifth week of each month. So drop us a line at pntpodcast2020 at gmail.com. In summary, the importance of being sure of salvation. The seven elements or doctrines of salvation are divine works. They designate the divine side of salvation. The human side of salvation, as we have seen, is conversion, which includes repentance, faith, and baptism. The seven doctrines of salvation are works which God performs when the sinner properly accepts Jesus Christ. When the sinner accepts God's gift of salvation through repentance, faith, and baptism, God lifts him or her out of the world, places him or her in Christ, and bestows upon him or her spiritual riches indicated by the seven doctrines of salvation. Your salvation should not be taken light. No, it shouldn't. Why, you ask? Because your life depends on it. As always, please don't forget to subscribe and share so that you and your friends will get all future notifications when new and exciting episodes are uploaded and posted. Until next time, stay safe and live a life holy and acceptable to God. After all, it's your reasonable service. With a special thank you to LJ Productions for post-production editing techniques that's used for this podcast. This podcast was sponsored in part by the Body of Christ Church in Waldorf, Maryland, Pastor Kenneth E. Stewart, its Christian Education Ministry, in association with Real Time with the Bennetts. Or Real Talk What? You got it. Happens all the time. Yeah, it's like that.